you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about a little bit, um, so our Rooted book, I'm going to dovetail a little bit into um, our discipleship pathway and talk about why it is so important to be rooted in God's Word, rooted in God's kingdom, because we have been brought up in a quick and easy, convenient way culture, and unfortunately what's happening is it's slipping into our Christian faith and our relationship with Jesus. What if I were to tell you that you are only living 20% of your potential? What if I told you that you are only living 50% of the peace, the joy, the contentment that is offered to you? Would you do anything different about it? I believe that our, our culture today is robbing, stealing, stealing and killing us um, and, and is slipping into the way that we also live our relationship with Jesus and learning to live in the kingdom of God way, which really gives us this fullness of joy, which gives us this peace that passes understanding. And we live in this harried world and then we're wondering why it is that we're replacing true, unauthentic things with fake replacements. My concern is, is that we've, we've created a society that is really based on feelings. We want to always feel a certain way. There's, not, there's a reason why our, our opioid crisis is taking hold. It's because there is, yes, it starts with a sense of, hey, let's gather together as a community and let's, you know, do some things together. And then all of a sudden it's, let's, let's mask the pain. And then all of a sudden it becomes an addiction and we just lost another one. Where is she? We lost another, another one this week or last week, right? Another person uh, with an overdose. And that this ripple effect is taking place in our culture, but then we also wonder why we're replacing uh, true and genuine love with images we see on a computer screen. That epidemic, and I want to be mindful of young ears in the room, but, that, but the pornography epidemic is, is equally as pervasive and deteriorating our, the very nature of our families and our society. New Hampshire has one of the greatest alcohol consumptions in the state, in all the states, and we might say, well, it's because those in Massachusetts are coming up to get inexpensive alcohol, but... Um, <laughs> But the statistics say it's consumption. And when we wonder why, all these things, and we, we then say, and I won't even look at myself because I'm a follower of Jesus and I realize I have not lived to the depths in my relationship with Jesus than, than I really have felt. And just recently, I've been going to these deeper places and I've realized there's greater joy to be found. There's greater peace to be found. And it makes me realize that we, we love the societal comforts of Amazon Prime. Anybody love that? Yeah, we want to clap for Amazon. I love it too. We love those creature comforts. We want it quick, easy, fast, convenient. But that's the way we've been trained. And then we come into our developing our relationship with Jesus. And we kind of like, we want it quick, fast, easy, convenient. And it leaves us empty because there's no such thing as quick and easy faith. It's very dangerous if we think that there is. Let me read you this quote that I read last week. 
Our perspective shapes our priorities. In other words, how we think about things, our perspective on things shapes our priorities. What will you prioritize in your life? And our influence is formed through thousands of daily choices. Think about all the decisions you make every day. Your influence is formed through thousands of daily choices. When we align our days with kingdom come, our souls are awakened and our deepest longings are fulfilled. How are our deepest longings fulfilled? It's when we align our days with kingdom come. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Thy will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven? No. Okay. Our Father in heaven, I'm the king. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? We align ourselves to kingdom come. Our souls then are awakened and our deepest longings are fulfilled. We were never meant to thrive in the emptiness of instant gratification. Let me read that last line. We were never meant to thrive in the emptiness of instant gratification, but that is what our culture has trained us to be comfortable with, to what we long for. We want the quick, easy, instant, but we realize that that is, does not equate to how it is that we have our faith with our Lord Jesus Christ. We were intended to be in this day-to-day -day communion walk. Remember in the Garden of Eden when God first formed Adam and Eve, they longed to be with Him and they communed together until sin entered the world and then they walked alone and God was pursuing them and they weren't acknowledging God in their lives. And that's why I would say maybe, just maybe, we are only living 20, 30, 50% of the potential that God wants to bring us to, but we, if we're going to live differently, that means we have to live differently. We have to make different priorities in life. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 11 through 16. You can also find this on your app, on the GCC app under the Bible, or you can go to your Bible app. Or you can open uh, the pages of your Bible. The Apostle Paul, when he writes the book of Ephesians, or these letters to the church in Ephesus, he goes on to say this, And he gave them apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, or pastors, and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. So, so here we already know that God has given you people, not just pastors, but prophets, evangelists, teachers. And I thank our teachers who are in our kids' classrooms who are depositing things of Jesus into our kids' lives. But the intention of it is why did God give us those? It's to equip, to raise, to train, to get a level of maturity for the followers of Jesus. And it says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. So what does he want from us? He wants us to have unity of faith, 
knowledge of the Son of God, that we have this intimate understanding, this knowing, this deepness of who Jesus is, and this level of maturity. And what level is this? It tells us, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants us to actually be Christ-like. All the things that Jesus was, how he lived, he wants those same qualities to be embedded inside of us. But that does not come by a quick and easy and convenient faith. Listen to this. This is what happens if we don't pursue that. We get what we have in our culture today. But this is what it says. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by Every wind of doctrine, in other words, doctrine is just your thinking, the, uh, how you think about things. By human cunning, in other words, by, hey, somebody else can tell you something and they can actually deceive you, that's human cunning. By craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head unto Christ. Jesus wants to be the most important person in your life. He wants to lead us. He wants us to make him the Lord of our lives. Everything measures to him. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So here we see the contrast of, here's the objective. He wants to mature and grow us. Why? So there's greater unity. But at the end of the day, so we become Christ-like. What is so that the body grows, our influence grows? And when we look at our own lives and say, hey, we're only functioning at maybe 20, 30% of our potential of this great peace and this great joy and contentment that God has for us and this great life that he has for us. Because by the way, God has amazing things in store for you. But our influence and our effectiveness quickly, remember week one we talked about, I had a lamp out here and it says, don't hide your, your lamp underneath a bushel. And we were basically saying, we're called to be student teachers. Not only students of God's word, but then teachers. And how's that idea of teachers? We need to find people who don't know Christ and being willing to share our faith and influence the world around us. But if the world is seeing the same reflection in us that is in the world, how are we going to stand out? And how are they going to say, I want that? In, in, the, in, in Rooted, there's a lot of great um, content in here, but it says this, part of Rooted, what it wants to do is move us from consumer to connected, from connected to committed, and from committed to compelled, and compelled to share your faith. So I would just say, you know, it's sometimes we talk about these things of where we want to go, but yet we don't have the tools to get you there. And I'm just saying, guess what? We have the tools to help get you there. Rooted. I don't want to see us to be consumers of just Christian goods. 
that we start checking the boxes, there's an ever-increasing growing trend that people are going to church less. And I'm not saying going to church makes you a better Christian or not, but I'm saying we no longer have the effectiveness of what a community does together. When people start saying, hey, I don't need to come as often because I have other things better to do with my time. And I'm concerned of the trend that we're just saying, you know what, it's, and by the way, I appreciate if you really are sick and you can't come to church that you're watching online, I'm speaking to the online audience, but my concern for you online audience, can I speak to them for a moment? My concern for you online audience is that we are missing uh, the giftedness of who God's placed inside of you when you're not here. And we've replaced authentic, genuine relationship with fake digital things. We live in a digital age, and it's not real. We don't have the same benefits of giving somebody a big hug and saying, I'm here for you. Let me pray for you. Let's contend for Jesus together. Let's fight the good fight together. Instead, I believe the enemy always wants to isolate. The enemy always wants to put shame on you. The enemy always wants to speak lies. And we can't hear the truth if we're always isolated. Luke chapter 14, if you'll turn there. Luke chapter 14. These are Jesus' words that um, Dr. Luke, Luke was a doctor who, um, who recounted in his gospel, the gospel really means is the, the account of Jesus, the, the good news of Jesus, and it's recorded by these authors. And Dr. Luke, who is, doctors typically are more analytical in their thinking, and so he writes more analytical but he writes what Jesus has said. These are red letters. So he's quoting Jesus. And remember, this whole series is called Students of Jesus, meaning really in the Matthew 28, we are to not only be disciples, but go make disciples. And to be a disciple means that we have to be a learner, which means we have to continue to say, what do I need to do? to keep growing deeper in my relationship with Jesus, but not just for myself, is so I can then go share my faith with somebody else. That I can understand the kingdom of God. I can understand how to live in the kingdom of God. I understand in this complex world to know how to find authentic joy, to know how to have authentic relationship, to know how to have real love and be able to pass that on to somebody else. But it does come at a cost. This is what we don't like as a culture. This is what we don't like as a society. We don't want to feel any pain. <laughs> After all, you know, we've kind of been taught that it's like growing up, I don't know what age you were growing up in, but, I, but this probably age after my generation, probably the millennials, everybody got a trophy, right? No, but we can't make sure, nobody feels bad about anything. And everybody is just kind of like told, everything's rosy, everything's good, everybody wins. And I think we have done people a disservice because the reality is that's not real life. There's real pain in real life. 
There is cost in real life, and especially following Jesus. There is a cost in following Jesus, and I want to prepare you for that cost because we can't go to the deeper places that Jesus has for us to go as a church. We're not going to make the influence in our state that we're called to make. We're not going to see us making a dent in the darkness if we're not willing to go count the cost. In Matthew, sorry, Luke chapter 14, it says this, starting in verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me, this is Jesus' words, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, his mother, and wife, and children, and brothers, and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Ooh, let me just pause there for a moment. I've just like lost you. What? I have to hate? We weren't allowed to use that, or my kids weren't allowed to use that word in our house, the word hate. That's a four-letter word in our house because it seems so harsh. But here Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and child and brothers and sisters, yet even his own life. Okay, so these are very, very strong words that Jesus is making, strong point. But what he's saying is comparatively, if you're not willing to put Jesus above all other things, and he says even your own life, so you know he's not saying, you know, go, go do damage to your relatives. He's just saying comparatively to following Jesus, you need to make that. So he's making an extreme point, and he's saying this is what you need to do comparatively. You need to be willing to put all those other things aside, those relationships, those things that you think are important to you, comparatively to a relationship with Jesus and to following Jesus. It's going to be that extreme. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Again, very extreme. What is a cross? It's a place of crucifixion. It's a place of death. It's a place of losing your life. But remember, Jesus says, if you're not willing to lose your life, you can't find it. That's what I'm saying. I believe that when we live in a culture that's easy, when we live in, we want quick and convenient, I believe that we're only living at a partial potential of what Jesus has for us because the real potential is found in the cost of following Jesus. That we're willing to sacrifice our own feelings, our own time, to press into a relationship with Him. But it will produce fruit. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Or when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who set to, be, to set, see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Here he's talking about, this is interesting, he you would think he's just talking about making an illustration on a building. He's actually talking about you. First of all, he wants you to be a big, strong tower. God believes that he wants you to be strong and, and mighty like a tower. But he's saying, first and foremost, don't think you're just going to start and saying, look at me, I'm the, this big man or woman of God and not realizing the cost of laying a deep foundation. 
This is why rooted is so important. It lays the foundation. He said, unless we're, we're not willing to lay the foundation, because here's what happens. We can go after and start running after and doing all these things for God, but I'll tell you what, when the storms come and knock your big tower off of no foundation, people are going to be like, is your faith genuine? Is it real? He's saying, no, count the cost and, and build the strong foundation. Then he goes on to say this, or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down and first and, and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation to ask for terms for peace. So therefore, if any one of you does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Okay, let's go about this whole war thing a little bit. The reality is, again, Jesus is saying he's using a natural illustration, but it goes deeper than that. We are at war. And you need to understand and count the cost of the war that you are in right now. There is a spiritual battle wanting to take you out, wanting to snuff your light out. There's an ever-darkening world that wants to squelch any kind of witness of Jesus out there. And you have to understand the war you're in. I think the war that is being won right now, yes, definitely on the big ones we can see, the opioid crisis that is affecting the then kids in foster care that's affecting, you know, grandparents. Now the latest statistics in New Hampshire, over 15,000 grandparents are now raising their grandkids as a result of the opioid crisis. But the fatherlessness, the motherlessness, the breakdown of the home, the breakdown of morality, all things that have, have been formed and based on a foundation which would be biblical that is based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. We now live on the surface of what's easy and what feels good instead of what's right. And I'm not just saying what's right. I'm just saying it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because otherwise it just becomes legalism and there's no life in that. Because remember, Jesus came to give us life in the full. The enemy has come to kill, steal, destroy. This battle that we're in is raging. He's saying count the cost. Understand what it is that's before you. I believe we live in a time you cannot just live as a marginal Christian. You can't. You're going to be taken out of the game. You have to come together. You have to decide we're going to fight together. We have to invest ourselves into God's word. We have to invest ourselves into groups that dig into God's word and say, we're going to do the hard work to lay a right foundation. We have to be rooted in God's word. We have to be rooted in our relationships with each other. Matthew chapter 7, again, reiterates this idea of what it is that we're building on. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Firm foundation. 
How do you build a house on the rock? Here's his words, the words of Jesus, and does them. Hearers and doers of the word. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock, rooted on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, it fell and, a, and great was the fall of it. Interestingly enough, the only difference between those two groups they both heard the word of God. One chose to do them. One chose to ignore them. My question for you is how well are you at doing what you already know what you're supposed to do? Because that is what builds our firm foundation on the rock. When we hear the word of God and actually do it, we follow through. But if all we're doing is listening and all of a sudden we go like, peace out, I checked the box, I'm off doing my thing this week. And you never pause long enough to say, God, what is your word saying to me? How do I start living more faithfully to you? How do I actually step into the things you've called me to? How do I dig into this deeper relationship that you have for me? And by the way, this is not about just doing like legalism doing, because in the doing, not only are you going to find the, the rock that you're going to build your life on, but on this rock is peace. On this rock is joy. On this rock is love. On this rock is contentment. Because that's the qualities of Jesus Christ. On that rock is a desire to see a lost world come to know Jesus. On that rock is when your eyes begin to see the crises around us and you're saying, I'm going to do something about it. On that rock is when we begin to say, God, I am sold out for you. No longer am I living for me, I'm living for you. On that rock is when we begin to say, God, I'm counting the cost. On that rock is where I'm deciding to say, God, you know what? Comparatively to my relationship with you, everything else fails in comparison. On that rock, I choose to forego feeling comfortable and looking for the convenient and, and living a good life. And on that rock, I choose to say, I don't want to live just a good life. I want to live a godly life. A life sold out for you, Jesus. A life that wants only you, Jesus. A life that pursues you, Jesus. If the worship team wants to come. You see, students of Jesus, you'll see this slide. Students of Jesus are learners, hearers, and doers of the word. Students of Jesus are learners, hearers and doers of the word, willing to sacrifice the quick and easy for the deep-rooted life in Christ. I want to read to you that quote again. 
that I started with. By the way, that's your big idea. If you're going to leave with anything, this is the, your big idea. Students of Jesus are learners, hearers, and doers of the word. Remember it because it's the doers that build your life on the rock. But the sacrifice, count the cost, willing to sacrifice the quick and easy for the deep-rooted life in Christ. So here's the quote again. Listen intently. Our perspective shapes our priorities. Has your perspective changed in the last 20 minutes? Because are your priorities also going to change to measure to what it is that you now see? And our influence is formed through thousands of daily choices. And I would say, how is your influence for Christ? Because your influence is determined by every little decision you make throughout a day. When we align our days with kingdom come, are you waking up in the morning, say, God, here I am. I'm a vessel to be used by you. Our souls are awakened and our deepest longings are fulfilled. See, this is what God has for us, not just from us. I think sometimes I do in my mind, I think God wants this from me. He wants this from me and realizing that God has so much for me and he just has so much for us. And what he is saying is your deepest longings are found when you count the cost, you step on the rock and you do the hard work and pursue him. The war rages, I understand. But he promises to be with us and to strengthen us, but we need each other. But in the midst of pursuing that, your deepest longings are fulfilled. You were never meant to thrive in the emptiness of instant gratification. I'm sorry, there's no such thing as Amazon faith. There's no such thing as Staples faith. That was easy. There's no such thing as drive-through faith. It will take the hard, arduous work of daily pursuing and counting the cost and choosing to build your life on Jesus Christ. Part of that is a decision that you're going to have to make to say, I'm choosing to get involved in one of our discipleship pathways. I'm highlighting Rooted today. There's a lot of other great things in there. But my concern and my conviction and my passion is realizing that we have got to make a dent in our ever-darkening state. The only answer that I have to that is that we have to become brighter lights who are willing to stand on the rocks and who are willing to fight the good fight. Who are willing to take the criticism, who are willing to take the attacks and not be... Well, they have the boldness to stand. But I would say this in closing, that... Remember this, 
as we go after and pursue this ever-darkening world, our neighborhood, our cities, our towns, our schools, our workplaces, you have to remember this. Somebody said to me um, the other day, Mark, Mark, you seem like you're, you've been awfully kind lately. Not that I wasn't a kind person, but I'll tell you a little bit of a conviction I've had. That if I'm to be Christ-like, God himself says that is through his kindness that leads people to repentance. You will never go wrong by being kind. Oh, followers of Jesus, now is the time to build your life on the rock. Now is the time to count the cost. Don't settle for the quick and easy. It will leave you empty. Pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Be hearers and doers of the word, willing to do the hard work to press in. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you would just continue to stir in our lives a desire to faithfully serve you, Jesus. That maybe, just maybe, we'd be open to the idea that maybe we're not living the fullest life that we're meant to live because we've taken the easy road. Jesus, stir inside of us this desire to press into our relationship with you, that we become more like you and we would count the cost. I'm also mindful in a room like this that there might be some who have never given their life to Jesus. Well, every head is bowed, eyes closed. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to say a simple prayer with you like I prayed when I was in my 20s. The simple prayer that basically says, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of living for myself. I want to live for you. I, I've tried living for myself. It leaves me empty, depleted. I want to live for you. Thank you for going to the cross for me, taking care of my sin, my shame. Jesus, you rose from the grave. I acknowledge that because that means you were who you say you are. Savior, Son of God. If that's you and you want to pray that prayer today, just in the quietness of where you're sitting, would you just raise your hand? Just so I can see it. I want to see your eyes. Raise your hand and let me see your eyes. If you want to give your life to Jesus today. Anybody here? So, Father, I count ourselves amongst believers here today. So, Jesus, you have stirred in our hearts. You have spoken to us. Our hearts have been open to respond to you. Father, I pray that we would be doers of what you've spoken to us this morning. But, God, also let us receive the great joy that you have in store for us. Receive the great peace that you have for us as we pursue your kingdom and your kingdom come. We love you, Lord. Everybody sing. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.